Hi, welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. Uh, this episode, I sit down with Eamon Donnelly. Eamon's a illustrator from Melbourne who uh, has done a lot of uh, commercial work and has a very distinctive, uh, bright, colourful illustration style. He's also in the process of releasing a book documenting the, uh, the disappearing milk bars across uh, Victoria and New South Wales. He also has a website documenting uh, retro Australiana culture called The Island Continent. I hope you enjoy the interview. I'm sitting here with Eamon Donnelly. How you going? Good, good. Very good, Tom. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> so, um, so tell me, uh, wh- where are you from and uh, what was your upbringing like? Uh, born, um, born and bred in Geelong. In, um, another one. Victoria. Yeah, another one. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, 1981, mm-hmm. so 80s kid. Grew up in a little eastern Geelong suburb. And a little house with mum and dad, only child. Um, Saturday afternoons, kicking the footy in the backyard, going up to the milk bar, watching Hey Hey Saturday on Saturday night. and It was a good time. Yeah, yeah so born, born in Geelong. Um, and then moved to Melbourne in early 2000s, um, while I was studying graphic design and I've been up there ever since on and off. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like what got you interested in, uh, illustration and design? Oh, my, my dad was a trained industrial designer and he used to work for Nilex in the 70s and um, then he became an art teacher so I grew up with with being exposed to dad's technical college that he worked at in Geelong was East, East Tech so he was the art teacher at East Tech so every school holidays I got you know exposed to all of this amazing stuff and he used to draw with me and teach me to draw and so he loved illustration and drawing and he was from Belfast, so he grew up with all these comics from from the UK called um, Beano and Dandy and Whizzer and Chips. There were these little annuals that he'd buy. And so I had all these, these amazing little cartoons. So it's like, uh, what's the Australian equivalent? Um, like Ginger Megs Ginger. and things like that. But they were, they were really British and, you know, all all done in pen and ink and black and white printed pages and... Um, so yeah, he grew up with those and then he'd buy the 1980s annuals, like the retro annuals that they'd release. And so I had all these and used to flick through them and just loved them. Um, and I used to watch Disney and Looney Tunes and I like loved that Saturday morning cartoons. And I, and I wanted to, wanted to be, you know, in that, in that industry so bad. I wanted, like my dream was to, to be an animator and work for Disney and, draw cartoons, I used to do flip books and, you know, little cartoon animations and everything at school, everything was drawn on. And all my maths books were all drawn on. Uh, I used to get in a lot of trouble for that. <laughs> and um, so I just, I was just always into it. I always loved drawing. I was like obsessed with it. I used to do um, all the famous characters for all the kids in the classes and it's like, oh, draw Bugs Bunny and draw Daffy Duck and just like out it would come and they'd go, oh my God, that's amazing. It's sort of like a magician, you know, with the, with the pen in the hand. Um, 
so I was just always into that. And then as a teenager, I, I grew up out of that a bit <clears throat> and started getting old man magazines mm. and the old 70s and 80s super specials and you know, flicking through those and looking at all the parodies of Star Wars and Indiana Jones and just being like blown away. The, the really detailed work for more, more Drucker and um, the guys from the Mad Era. So and then I started to think, oh, there's other things other than cartoons, and there's this thing called illustration. Um, and then I got into anime and manga, and yeah. became obsessed with that as well. All this time, I was trying to emulate all these different, you know, genres that I was into. So I, you know, spent a couple of months trying to replicate the line work in a manga cartoon and and in Mad Magazine, try to do portraits and caricatures. Um, and then I'd be looking at something else and then trying to sort of learn how to do that. And it sort of progressed from there. And yeah. Yeah. So with your, um, like you said, you went, you studied graphic design. Did you, did you study yeah. an, um, illustration as well? Did you just learn, well, learn all the graphic design packages and then apply your illustration to illustrator? And yeah. The, the thing I, um, at the time I, like I knew there was this, this thing called drawing, mm. but I didn't really understand the illustration as a career mm. as, you know, you could make a living being an illustrator. It was always kind of like, I was taught that it was graphic design or graphic design art at school. There was nothing in between. Um, so I sort of never really fitted into one or the other. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's like, you want to become a fine artist or a graphic designer? It's like, oh, well, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I should just study graphic design. And I used to draw in, in my graphic design class and all the, like, the VCE projects and always incorporate the, the drawing into it. Um, but it was always more to the commercial side. So the, the fine art didn't really play into that, um, that sort of skill level. So... Graphic design sort of seemed like the, the right thing to do. So like a, a job to fall back on. You yeah. know, it's like a make a living. You can always be a graphic designer. Um, so it was sort of like that was the idea. Yeah. I did plan to do graphic design and then do a post-grad in animation at RMIT. That childhood dream thing. Yeah. But um, it kind of, kind of changed... <laughs> Changed tax a bit during the during the course, mm. and then um, got more into the whole illustration thing. Mm. Um, once I was exposed to, you know, all that kind of thing in in the university industry and going to the library and 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 seeing American illustration annuals on the on the shelf and flicking through and going, oh shit, that's oh yeah, Mad Magazine, oh that's got Rolling Stone and all that. It's like yeah, that, that's what I want to do. Yeah. So then that kind of took me away from the animation and it was probably a good thing because the technology doesn't really suit my brain. So Mm. that was a period where everything was starting to go all digital and the the traditional cell cell animation was becoming pretty retro and dated and everything was moving to the Pixar sort of look. And so it was probably a good decision not to, go down that track. Yeah. I probably would have ended up doing thousands and 
thousands of sketches and, you know, probably not embrace the digital side of it. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's pretty easy to get, um, stuck in like, you, you know, when, when you're on the cusp of a new technology and you learn the old way. Uh, yeah, totally. Get, like scared to go the other way. Like I, I, I don't, can't compare it to too much, but I remember when I first started working in graphic design, um, like the, they were teaching us in design, but everyone else was using Quark Express. Oh yeah, and you go same. To, yeah, you go to um, design <laughs> studios and they say, "Oh, do you use Quark Express?" You go, "No, I use InDesign." Oh like, yeah. Like I, I had this one <laughs> one guy interview me. It was for for Sneaker Freaker actually. Oh yeah, for a yeah. job there. Yeah. And the guy he put me through a test, and it was all done with Quark. And I said, "Oh, I'm better on InDesign." He's like did all these quark tests on me and I was fumbling through it for an hour <laughs> and he bagged me out. <laughs> I, was like, I, mean, I was so pissed off. It was on my birthday as well. I remember. I was like oh, no. dev- devastated. <laughs> but I ended up getting a job with um, someone else who yeah. who knows him as well. He was, he was just like, oh yeah, well, you know, he's, he's, just, yep, he was yep. just joking. And then, we'd, and then we'd actually catch up in, with in, in the yeah. same group. Yeah. And you'll be like, you're still still using Quark, mate? And you'll be like, oh, yeah. I've, <laughs> I haven't got the confidence to use InDesign yet. Yeah. So, just, oh, uh, just God. Corel Draw. Did you use Corel Draw? No, no. I, I, when I started, um, because when I started studying graphic design, mm. I didn't even know how to send an email before that. I was completely oh, yeah. computer yeah. illiterate. Yeah. And then, um, yes, I sat down. I remember feeling so shit at TAFE. Yeah. And had people going, um, you know, everyone's... First day, everyone's jumping on and just drawing all this stuff and doing all this stuff. And oh, right. I'm like, yeah. shit, I'd never even opened the packages before or anything. Yeah. I was really nervous. And mm. I remember just feeling like I don't belong here and leaving mm. Mm. and uh, wanting to leave. But I stuck it out. And I, <clears throat> I think I'm one of the few people out of that class has actually got a career yeah. for himself. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, um, <laughs> but I, I remember doing like in the end I did really well in that in in TAFE and I they gave me like I got to go to do the last year of a uni degree off yep. the back of that yep. and um, I remember after that just thinking oh, if, I can, if I can do that I can do anything now and, yeah you know <laughs> you know, it's like you can learn anything it's just um, you just got to apply yeah it's totally you know, totally you know but anyway back, back to you though um so with, uh, where did your first clients come from? Like, and what, what sort of work were you doing when you first started picking up um, illustration work? Well, with, with the graphic design, I still drew in every subject, even, oh, like I tried to in typography, um, as much as you could. Actually, I think we did hand draw our type with, with Copic markers. First year, we didn't even have computers. It was 2000. So it was, um, all all hand done work. Mm-hmm. So you have to do magazine layouts with Copic markers and pens and stuff. And then in second year, they got the little Apple IMAX in the next room. And, um, so I was always drawing and, and life, we had life drawing, which was my favorite class. Mm. And, um, one of the, one of the first jobs I got, um, was through the, was through the teacher cause he, he knew, well, I was one of those, like, there's a pin board at the uni and if anyone wants this job, that kind of thing. And so I got this piece of paper on my desk. Someone's interested in some cartoons and called the number and I called it up and did a few sketches. And, you know, that was probably the first, first, like, job outside of school because I used to, <laughs> I used to do stuff when I was 
younger, like collaring competitions for real estate companies in Geelong. Well, my dad's like his day job was teaching, but at night he used to illustrate all of the houses for the paper yeah. before they used digital photography. So mum would go out during the day and, and take black and white photos on 35mm of all these houses around Geelong and the surf coast and then develop them and then dad would put them on this little dentist's x-ray light box thing and then he'd spend all night illustrating these houses and send them off to the real estate agent the next day. So there was a contact there that wanted me to do a little colouring competition illustration um, so that was probably uh, probably 12 years old yeah. and that was that was cool yeah that was probably my earliest job <laughs> illustration job <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty cool when you um when your first bit of work go when you've been doing something this is a hobby and your first yeah, bit of work goes yeah, out into totally. the world like I remember my first bit of piece of graphic design was I did a re- reserved sign for a, a restaurant oh. and that was it it just it was like <laughs> yeah. the guy was i was working for who said just it's just white and with black type just type reserved and it's done and it's like oh really you know and <laughs> i made a pdf and sent it out and yeah, like, yeah. And he's like yeah that's good and just send it off and it's like real blase i'm like fantastic my first bit of uh yeah. design going out into the real world you know? oh, yes. like, i was really excited about it it's, like, it's funny to think now like, you know, in gotta, situ and there it is you gotta, fantastic you gotta start somewhere you do yeah, yeah yeah so did you do you know if um howard arkley used any of your dad's drawings oh, paintings we've talked about that a lot because he used to use the the um the real estate listings for yeah. his, his his paintings mm. um dad did do melbourne work i think of a some some of it did end up in the age. Yeah. So maybe maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You yeah. know, it's very interesting because Dad's work, that's that's it. The mm-hmm. Howard Arkley style, but it's it's pen and ink. He uses these technical pens that he's had since the seventies, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it's all very traditional. Um, and then it's, it's like Howard Arkley's taken up with the with the spray can and the color and. Yeah, it's yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. We've always wondered about that. Yeah, it's it's kind of cool to think that maybe one of his pieces was one of Dad's old line drawings. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. Um, so do you do you work from home or do you have a studio or how how do you work? Um, yeah, I work from home. I've always been been like a freelance freelancer in in the fact that I've worked from home and, and that's been my studio. Well, being an only child, I think, had a big influence on that because I was never surrounded by siblings and so I was always on my own. I was always drawing on my own. So maybe that's got something to do with the psyche of, of working from home now and um, I've never been able to really work in a communal space. Yeah. Yeah, so I've always, I've always had a home studio um, wherever, wherever I've been living and, um, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's good, but it's, it's pretty isolating at the same time because you don't get that interaction. You can't bounce ideas off people and, Hey, yeah. what do you think of this? And, you know, yeah. so do you, do you feel you go, um, like full days and that without leaving the house as well? Yeah, and, totally. Yeah. They got, there was a, there was a stage a few years ago where the only people that I would see other than my my wife was the post office lady or, you know, mm. that's, oh, actually that, that would be it. Go to the post office and post off a print or something. Yeah. You know, that'd be it. 
and it's that that's probably um, why I decided to kind of take a step back from it and do other things like side projects and get yeah. out there again and yeah yeah so it's it is it is a very isolating experience and and my clients were overseas so it was a time difference and I'd be working all night and then I'd be sleeping all day and then waking up at lunchtime checking emails from a client overnight and and then you you work through till like 12 one in the morning and then wait up till four until they approve artwork and so yeah went a bit crazy there for a while yeah <laughs> yeah I, I like a commute in in my day like i, like, cause uh, yeah. I ride my bike everywhere i just yeah. like at starting the day on the bike and, and mm. fitting, you know just sitting all day in front of the computer and or the yeah. studio or whatever and then just jumping on the bike and riding home and yeah and having the um separation of of locations like when i'm home i'm home i try and do artwork at home but it, it's weird mm. i've got this like idea in my head that i'm, I'm home so i mm. don't have to mm. i do all that at the studio or, yeah you know, yeah that's <laughs> right like, yeah that's that yeah it's a real disconnect isn't it yeah once you once you close that door and mm. if you have to go somewhere you wake up and you go somewhere and you close that door like right i gotta create now in this space Mm. But then when you're at home, you know, the TV, oh, there's all these little, yeah. you know, distractions and, yeah. yeah. But I've had some good times working on illustration briefs and having, like, big moments on the TV, Chappelle Corby, um, <laughs> Obama <laughs> winning the presidency. I remember all these things and I was daytime TV yeah. and I'm working away on a job and, yeah. you know, so that's good good times there because people yeah. at work can't get to watch that. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, the first, uh, the first work of yours that I ever saw, um, was for when you did the first two, uh, Golden Plains. Oh yeah. Yeah. Illustrations. Yeah. They were really cool. Oh, I, thanks. Yeah. Um, cause I, I worked at a, um, the design studio doing, that did all the design for the Golden Plains. And, oh, and really? Was, and I was actually the, that was one of my clients. So oh, I went, right. So I got your illustrations and that's when I first came. Like, You're kidding. That's when you came to knowledge. For me, because I was, um, I you, you, it was all layered, and I had to pull bits out and use little bits for illustrator oh, um, to go with certain things and all that. And yeah, like, oh, man, yeah, yeah, are, yeah. Awesome, you know. Yeah, like really pulling apart your illustrations and just Fantastic. looking at them really close up as well, like zooming in. Yeah, yeah. Just seeing how you did it all, I was like, that's man, nuts. This is fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, very yeah, crazy. Yeah, like they were really good. I was just like, who is this guy? Yeah, that's. That's so bizarre. How yeah. fantastic. So yeah, everyone was just like, oh, he's some guy called Amo. And it's like, all right, where's he from? And it's like, oh, he's from Melbourne. And it's like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's bloody awesome. So, uh, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, that was... Uh, it's such a small world. Yeah. It's oh, a small world, Melbourne. Yeah. yeah, I was working at a place called Street Inc. Hey, Beecho, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> out in Collingwood. We're, we're, we're next to the Everfresh guys, so we oh, get to hang yeah. out with them all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but, um, that blows my mind. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Like it was like because all the illustrations were really highly detailed and really complex. Like yeah. there's so many elements in yeah, those files. Yeah. I was like, man, these guys are taking a long time. Oh god, I apologise for no, that. No, no, no. I don't care because you had to do it, not me. I was yeah, just, that's like, right. <laughs> I was just turning all um, the layers on and off, just going, fucking hell, these guys oh, done geez. a lot of work. You know? So how, like, how did that those jobs come about, and how how much work? Like um, put into them, well, right? that goes back to the Jackie Winter era. Um, a friend of mine knew a guy 
who was doing street posters called Is Not Magazine, and they were a magazine on a wall. So it was two big AO posters printed in two colours. Yeah. And it was pasted on a wall like a magazine, and they had crosswords and articles and illustrations and everything, and people could stand in the street and do a crossword and read these articles. And mm. and um, so my, my friend said, oh, um, you should contact them because they're always looking for illustration. Um, I was sort of trying to start my freelance illustration career at the time. Um, didn't really know what I was going to do with it and um, I was doing my personal works, but then I was also doing really commercial stuff as well. Um, and so, I, yeah, contacted the guys and one of them was Jeremy, um, Jeremy Warsman, and he ended up starting the Jackie Winter Group. So I I did some illustrations for a couple of those issues. Um, and then he started the... Well, I got to know him pretty well. And he he used to be an art director in New York. And so he used to commission illustrators. So he kind of has that background in being an art director and that side of it. And so speaking to him as an illustrator and saying it's so tough to get work in Australia and it's, it's it's just really hard, you know, what do I, how do you break into the industry? And so I think I kind of whinged to him a bit and then he spoke to a few other people. Oslo Davis was another guy that was doing stuff for the magazine um, and then I think he just came up with the idea of starting this agency um, on the fact that we're all trying to get work and... yeah. So he signed me up. I was the first guy he signed up, came down to my place. I was living in Geelong at the time, had a barbecue and yeah, he's like, I'm gonna start an illustration agency. Do you wanna be do you wanna be in? I'm like, um, yeah, totally, bring it on. So he started the Jackie Winter group and then um I'm not really sure how the, the guys from Meredith came in contact with him, but that was one of the first jobs that um, came through for me was the Golden Plains yeah. work. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's how it all came about. Yeah. Yeah. So crazy. It is. And I, so I did those for five years. I think I did five of them. And it was a full, oh, like a 24-hour loop. So it started at, the first one was like dusk. And the second one was, um, you know, Sunrise or sunset? Yeah, it was something like that. It was yeah. like sun, sunset, night, sunrise, midday, mm. for like a five year. And yeah. now Oslo's doing the the new five years of Golden Plains. Mm. Yeah, crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Now they were really cool. Really cool. That was so detailed. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. <laughs> I don't think I ever met met deadline on those yeah. <laughs> those jobs with the detail. Ah. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Even the design I was doing for him was like so far ahead, mm. you know, of the actual festival. It's like, shit, his golden plane's coming up. And it's like, yeah. Nah, it's not for, not, then you look at the dates and it's like, man, they haven't got the line up or anything. We're yeah. doing all the designs for everything based yeah. on your illustrations. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's I good. always like um, joke around with clients when they're, you know, not joke around so much, but really, uh, yeah. you get to ask them when they say, oh, I need this by. You know, need this yesterday. Yesterday, it's like, yeah. It's like, really? Did you? Like, <laughs> what, you want 
you want me to, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, stay work till one o'clock in the morning to get this done for you because nah, you needed nah. it yesterday? It's like, I'm sure if, like, the, the world's not going to blow up if you don't get nah. this by, by tomorrow or whatever. No, 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 no. And it's, um, yeah, anyway, I'm going to all that. <laughs> so, so do you still do a lot of work for the Jackie Winter Group? Um, not really. I don't, well, I don't do much illustration anymore. Yeah. Um... I haven't, well, I've done sort of like little things here and there the last um, five years, but I took a, a self-imposed break about five years ago. Yeah. Just got, just got, like I mentioned before, just got so tired and, and really burnt out and my process became um, really repetitive and um, I just thought, oh, I need to take a break. Mm. So I took a break and thought, you know, six months I'll just get some contract design work again because um, I used to do a lot of fashion work when I started out after graduating. Um, so I did that and then I was kind of like really enjoying it and, and then thinking about other things again and I'd lost that passion that I used to have when I started out. I used to do a lot of personal work um, related to this, this Australian culture and that pop culture that 1980s and 70s that I grew up with it's a real real interest of mine and so I was doing personal works that originally were like folio pieces when I was starting out trying to get work um and I used to love like doing them I, I collect all this stuff from op shops and all these old books Australiana books and coffee table books and photography books and use them as inspiration and and then do kind of like an illustration with all those themes and and then that was kind of like my my folio yeah. to 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 shop around to art directors. And then once the work started to come in, and I was doing work that was primarily all US based, and I'd have to Google what the pe- who the people were, and the briefings would come through. I don't know who the hell that is. And so there was not really that. Um, uh, it was kind of a bit two dimensional for me. There was no interest. Yeah, it was. It's essentially just a commercial job. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of just thought, take a break and and just do some design work. Make a bit of money because you don't really make much money in illustration. Mm. And um, that's always a big stress because you, you always have to take every job and then you have to worry about getting paid and, you know, sometimes it just goes on and on and on. Um, and then I just thought, of all these things that I originally was interested in back when I was starting out um, and the milk bar thing came up and I sort of pursued that as a side project and and yeah, five years, five, five years later I think and I still haven't really gone back Yeah. and I haven't been um, regretting it at all. I've, I've really enjoyed where I've gone. I've kind of moved yeah. on from that and um, it's... Um, yeah, it's interesting how you you can take some time away and pursue your own side projects, and then they can turn into other things, and you can kind of go down another road. Mm. So, are you making um, an income off your side projects, or are they are you making it mostly off design? Uh, a little bit of little bit of an income from the side projects. Um, design, I'd say, is is the, the main source of income. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 
you know, like web design, book design. Um, I do a bit of teaching. I've done a bit of film and TV work. So there's all these like things that are all based on design. Um, and then the, the side projects, are, you know, things do pop up and you kind of go, oh, yeah, cool. I can, yeah. I can get some, some cash out of that for, for yeah. something that I just love. You know, that's cool. Yeah. So I saw, uh, I, was, I was looking through your website and I saw that um, one of your, your clients was, uh, was Playboy. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves that one. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, just, just read it for the articles. Were you like yeah. the article guy? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Well, honest, mum. It's just yeah. the articles. It's a really good read. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was actually... One of the one of the childhood clients, believe it or not, that I thought, you know, you get into Playboy. There was Rolling Stone and Playboy and New York Times and all those kinds of American institutions, and because they always had illustration, that was always a big thing with um, with those magazines. Um, apart from the 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 TNA in Playboy, they always had some serious articles for the dads to read. You know, yeah, read it, read it for the articles. Yeah. So that was um that was cool. That was really weird. Really weird because I didn't expect that Hugh Hefner would still sign off on the, the illustrations. Yeah. And he he actually signed off on my stuff. Really? And I got this contract that was it was photocopied and emailed, but it was old school Playboy masthead and it was typed on a typewriter and had like the commission fee in my name and it was so bizarre. Awesome. And I've got that in my archive because it's just so cool. Yeah, you got a hold of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was like a that was like a dream client once that came through because yeah. it's so iconic and um, you know you can there's there's clients you, you like to be able to have a a nice client list so like a brag list. Yeah, and then that's a good one to have on there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a few of them. I, I, br- I break them out at interviews and stuff, you know, like yeah. you know, to work for British Airways and this and that and that. Oh, yeah. and then they're like, oh, show me the work. And it's like, it's all just shit work for them. It's, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I still did it for them. Though. Yeah, so yeah, like, that's right. Folio, still worked for them. I still yeah. worked for them. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you go about, about drumming up clients? Um. I, what I used to do for the illustration back in the the early days, I would go to Borders and I would go through all the magazines I wanted to work for um, and I'd handpick them and then I'd go up the back of Borders and, you know, the jam factory and I'd find a little couch with this big pile. I had a little notepad and I'd just flick through and I'd write down all the art director's names and the address, just, just, a, just a street address and the art director's name. And then I'd go back home and I'd print out these little labels and stick them on these postcards that I'd made of my work, like promo postcards. Then I'd fire them off in the mail and, um, uh, you know, like maybe four years later you'd get a, an email from someone, that, you know, an art director said, oh, I've got your yeah. card. A job's come up that is really suited to your style. Um, would you like to, you know, take it on? And a lot of the time they, you know, they would pick and choose an illustrator based on a style. So a job would be, you know, that really suits this guy. And they, they would have in their studio or their offices, they'd have a pin board with all this stuff on it. And 
your car will be on there and so it's always there and if a job comes up and goes you know he'd be perfect for that job yeah so yeah that's that's how i used to do it yeah really like old school mail outs yeah yeah does it do like do you think that technique still works till today or would you go like you know, i would do it yeah, yeah i would do it still um i don't know there's something about getting something in the mail and yeah it's printed and it's hand delivered and it's um, you know, dedicated and yeah, it's something about that. It's a personal thing. I like yeah. That. Yeah. Cause I, I used to, um, like working at design agencies, I've, I've received them as well. Yeah. And it's always nice. It's like, Oh, this is really cool. And you, yeah. you, you put it up on the pin board or something like that. Yeah. And, yeah. And I've even worked at a lot of design agencies where they go over and above to produce something to send out to potential clients mm, mm. and they work really hard on it. Make sure it's, beautifully designed because it's yeah. an ad for themselves you know definitely so um yeah i think it's i think it's really important mm. um it just shows that you i don't know just the thought is there and yeah instead of just firing off a cold email and yeah. you know, here's my link and i don't know maybe that it's our, our generation it's like yeah we're probably yeah. thinking more the the old school yeah. mail outs and but um i think we mentioned Playboy before. That was probably a, a postcard that I sent out. Yeah. And um, Rolling Stone was definitely a postcard. I remember the email was like, oh, got your postcard, you know, five years ago and the new Red Hot Chili Peppers album's come out and mm. your work's like crazy and cartoony and colourful and it really suits them. And so I got to do Rolling Stone you know, album review for Rolling Stone, and it's like, yeah, yeah, it's. I want, uh, yeah, you never know. I wonder whether if there's another technique, whether that would be as successful. But yeah, that that's how I, I did it. That's how I that worked for me. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And how do you, like? What's your uh, your work process like? If you know, say I said, oh, here's an illust, you know, I want an illustration of of this, or here's yeah. a photo for reference, or whatever. Like, how do you how do you go about doing it? Do you just jump straight on the Wake on tablet or? Um, no, I I do all of my work by hand. Hmm. Um, so a client would send me a, a reference photo. Um, oh, usually, usually they don't send a reference photo. Basically, it, it's an illustration. We're thinking an illustration of, of this celebrity doing this and then... I'll get on Google, I'll, I'll search for some good photos of whoever it is um, as reference and, and, and then they've got to be doing a pose so I'll, I'll get my camera out and I'll take a photo of myself in, in a pose and then I'll get in Photoshop and I'll superimpose the whole thing and, and um, so like oh, Obama and John McCain, that was an illustration for Blender magazine which is yeah. gone now, it's like a US music mag I remember that. Yeah, and yeah. and it was something about what was on their playlists. So it was presidential playlists. Yeah. So what are they listening to on their iPods? And um, so I I was going to do um, Barack Obama, like doing air guitar, listening to an iPod, and and John McCain doing like air drums side by side, and then there's like a big collage in the background of uh, like. Obama was like, love the Rolling Stones. So there was the Rolling Stone tongue and 
you know, things like that. So I got a good photo of Obama. There was, he was laughing. His head was sort of down. He looked like he was, you know, getting down on guitar. And then I, I would set up my camera up with my tripod and I, I dressed up in a... I had a suit and a tie and, and, and did air guitar. So I'd use that as photo reference. So I always... Pretty much most of my illustrations is, you know, my hands or my wife's hands or, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, and, and then it's like straight to paper and it's just sketching out on paper um, and then inking with a brush straight over that. Um, then I, I scan the inks into Photoshop and just contrast, brightness contrast, like full black and white. And then I flat color the, the illustration that way. So it's, so it's old school kind of like Mac paint techniques with with um, traditional illustration techniques. Yeah. yeah. So when you when you ink it on, it's just the line work. Yeah, just just the line work. So it's just the black ink line work, and then um, scan it in, and I recolor the line work in Photoshop. So I isolate the um, uh, so like the arm would be you know, like a purple line, and the the, the shirt would be like a grey line and yeah, just masking. Really yeah, yeah. basic, really basic. So yeah. all the work's done on paper, all the hard work's done on paper and then the digital work is just flat colour and masking and yeah, yeah, like old school. What I used The same things I used to use when I was a kid, Dad used to bring home an old computer, like a, you yeah. know, it was like a BBC or something from school and had some paint program on it. And yeah. Same techniques, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you, you mentioned in your, uh, like mentioned before, like your milk bar project. Yeah. So, like, tell me a bit about how that started and, and what it is. Um, okay, so the, I've always been, I've always been a little bit obsessed with Australian culture, Australiana and all of that kind of pop culture, post-war Australian culture. So, um, grow, growing up in East Geelong, in the eighties and you know, it was very working class and, but it was also close to the coast, the surf coast. So it was, it was like industrial city mixed with that surf vibe and, and the seventies and you got all that history with rip curl and, and Quicksilver and all that starting down there. And so I became really interested in sort of like my childhood nostalgic 80s upbringing when I was in high school um, I just remember the 90s being a really depressing time and the recession and you know, grunge, grunge and yeah the clothes <laughs> and colour disappeared and um, Pyramid Building Society was a huge thing in Geelong when that collapsed I think it was 90 or something like that so the city was just such a depressing place Every, everywhere was closing down and people were you know struggling big time and so and being a teenager as well, when you're a teenager, things start to change and you're kind of like, oh, you know, when you think back to when you're a kid, you know, birth to 10, that's a golden time. And so that, that time for me was, was the 80s and it was like crazy and colour and, um, you know, surf culture and all that crazy stuff. So I started to just little get a little bit nostalgic in my high school years and and then I started to watch old Aussie films and um, look back at my childhood a bit and um, look back at the graphics and the, the packaging and the advertising. And, and so the Milk Bar was 
something that really stuck out because we had this we had this milk bar which everyone had a milk bar they had that that corner milk bar their local milk bar and ours was just a just a like a, a hop skip and a jump down the back lane around the corner and and it was just amazing it was amazing it was like Aladdin's cave and the first taste of independence when you when you're like 8 years old and you you get a dollar's worth of one and two cent coins in your pocket. You're right up there in your BMX up to the milk bar on your own. It's the first time. I remember mum and dad watching me. Being an only child, I was like, oh, is he going to be okay? Uh." And off he goes and it's like, shit. And then he goes around the corner and they can't see me anymore. I remember them like waving and stuff. And then going into Dave and Peggy's milk bar and getting a bag of mixed lollies. And it was just, it was just amazing. It was such a great memory and it really, it really stuck out to me. Um, so when I was in, so I finished school, was into, yeah, started to get into Australiana and, and then I was at uni and I was still collecting things and um, I went, I thought, oh, you know, I would like to go back to that, that house that I grew up in because we moved in the 90s over to the other side of Geelong where there weren't milk bars and there weren't old houses and there weren't tire swans and concrete stalks and all that real amazing Australiana history. Um, and so I went back to East Geelong, checked out the house, yeah, went down the back lane and thought, oh, what about the milk bar? Is it still there? Went down the corner, pulled up, it was gone. It was like gone. The only remnants were an old tin sign from... <clears throat> The Sun newspaper, that was the only thing left on the awning. I think they were renovating it at the time. So they were chipping off all the, the you know, the big thick layer of, you know, 50 years worth of sign writing and on the side of the bricks, back down to the bricks. And um, so I took a photo of the, the signage. And so I was, I was studying graphic design at the time. I was like really into that typography and that retro advertising. Um, so I took a photo of that. I think that was in 2001. Um, and then there was these other milk bars that I thought, are they still there? There was essentially in East Long, there was a milk bar on every corner kind of thing. Mm. And um, so we had, the closest one was Dave and Peggy's. And then we had another one around the corner, which was the Busy Bee Milk Bar, but that wasn't as close. So that wasn't our local. Um, went and checked that out. That was gone too. Then there was another one over the road from Geelong High. That was gone too. It had this amazing Cornetto, Streets Cornetto sign still on it. So I took a photo of that. Um, so I took those three or four photos of those milk bars. And then I just thought, shit, what's happened? You know, something must have happened in the 90s with milk bars. And um, no one had really noticed. I think it might have been to do with like the insurgence of Seven Eleven, and also the um, the petrol stations became somewhere to get snacks yeah. from and yeah. treats. Like instead, it used to just be petrol, and the only thing you could buy there was oil and a packet of cigarettes. Yeah, know? yeah. There is now a, like a convenience store as well. Definitely. Yeah. Well, my my the Dave and Peggy's were on this corner, and I remember a, an ampole was opened on the other corner. Mm. And so that was in the 90s. And then I think that really killed them. Yeah. So they kind of, 
Oh, they would have closed in 2000. They they sold them to another owner, but yeah, 7-Elevens and supermarkets and convenience stores and it's really been a big thing for the, the death of the milk bar. Yeah. So you're making a book um, on, on yeah. like, uh, documenting yeah, milk yeah. bars. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, are you having a hard time finding finding milk bars that are still open or...? Oh, yeah. I am. Yeah, it's 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 getting harder and harder. Um, when when I started the the whole photo thing was just my own documentation and the what I used to take photos of was the just the closed facades and the signage before they would get painted over or demolished mm. and so it was the closed milk bars and um, then yeah now it's. Now it's basically anything that's related to milk bar. I'm like obsessed. Yeah. I'm completely obsessed. So I published a little um, soft cover cover book in 2012, which was a side project after I took my break from um, illustration. Um, and when that came out, it was quite quite surprised by the the reaction. People really were like, "Oh yeah, milk bars." Yeah, I miss my milk bar, and I thought it was just a thing that I'd noticed with my own childhood mm. suburb, and I'd taken photos in Melbourne, and I was living in Brunswick, so Brunswick and Coburg, there was heaps of old shops up there, but yeah, it must have just tapped into a a point of a period of time where other people were like, yeah, the milk bar has really sort of disappeared. Um, <clears throat> so I did a few articles related to the book and mentioned Dave and Peggy and their daughter read one of the articles and said, Hey dad, this, this kid's talking about you and his article. It's like, what? <laughs> and I ended up connecting with them. Yeah. She emailed me and said, oh, um, we, we read your article. Um, you know, would love to meet you. And I'm like, yeah, great. So I ended up meeting Peggy. Dave passed away, but I met Peggy and her daughter, Jenny. And I sat down with them and, and I remembered my mum and dad and everyone in the street and it just blew my mind. I thought, ah, oh, this is more than just a photo project. This is, this is like a Australian sort of community and history and, mm. you know, so it's, it's gone from just taking a photo of old shops and signage to this full layered history of Australian sort of culture. Yeah. Because I was the same. I, like, all the... You know, there's always been a number of local milk bars, but you always know all all the owners when you're growing up as a kid. Yeah. Like, we used to, I remember going in with a note and buying cigarettes for my grandfather. Oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, give, give, him a, give me a $2 note and tell yeah. me that I can buy some lollies with the change. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> show my age. But, uh, that's fantastic. But yeah, you know, like, um, you know, they'd be like, oh, you know, but honestly, they're, you know, they're for par. It's like, no, no, we trust you. We know you're not going to smoke. You know, it's like, all right, good. You know, because yeah, they, right. you know. they know you. Because yeah, yeah, they know you. Yeah, they know you and I know your par. And, yeah. you know, it's that it's that community spirit, that community trust, which you don't get anymore. I don't think you, you get that because it's so transient with the supermarkets and the service stations. You don't ever get yeah. to know a local owner-operator. Like we live in St Kilda Road and we've got a little convenience store there. Mm. But I know all the guys there. Yeah, because 
they there's like four or five guys and it's kind of like my milk bar. Yeah. I kind of like it and they go in there and it's like, hey man. Yeah. I've told them about the project and they like oh, are interested and think it's kind of cute and you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. So um, like, do people tip you off about the, the yeah like, all the so, time? Yeah. yeah. Like oh, there's one down. Yeah. There. Yeah. All the Google time. Well, on a weekly basis. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's great. That's that's the that's the thing. If you if you have local knowledge, you get those little secret, you know, backstreet icons and yeah. So that I've I've come across some pretty amazing stuff from from tip offs. Yeah. I did a road trip to Sydney two years ago. Um, uh, so I went up the Hume Highway, went off all the country towns, and I had this just this list in my phone, and it was on just Google Maps, and typed in all the locations from all the tip-offs and it was amazing you know you wouldn't know that that kind of um local knowledge if you didn't get that you know those tip-offs yeah so it was um yeah it's good to have that yeah do you think um do you think uh like fish and chip shops are going down the same way you have the same nostalgia for fish and chip shops yeah i do i do not not so much as as strong as the milk bar um yeah i've uh, people have asked what's next and Mm. Fish and chip shops, news agents, and yeah, um, butcher shops. Yeah, you know, video stores. God. Yeah, there's still a couple around. I can't believe it. Yeah, yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? It When you see a video easy out in the burbs, you just think, "Wow." (laughs) I worked in Video Easy, and that was so much fun. Yeah, it was really cool. But yeah, it's just bizarre. What you know, really, the the suburban landscape's changing. Really rapidly. Yeah, yeah. I still like the um the old petrol stations as well. Like you oh, see yeah. the ones that just haven't turned into those like bright lit up spacecraft looking things there. Yeah, they're like a traditional petrol station. It's yeah, yeah. Old pumps and yeah. grease everywhere. It's, yeah, I yeah. like it. With a mechanic next, you know, garage with the next to it. Yeah, and you can actually get your car serviced and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you um like oh yeah, sorry. One thing I meant to talk to you about like. You know, the, in the fish and chip shops? Yeah. Remember the Cornetto poster? Yeah. Not yeah. Cornetto, Chiquito. Chick, Chico Roll. Chico Roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was I saying? Yeah, Chico the Chico Roll, Roll chick. I used to know her. Oh, really? Yeah. Our families grew up together. Like, I used to go to school with her little brother, and we'd go on family Oh, holidays you're and kidding. That was always like, we never go to the fish and chip shop, <laughs> be the Chico Roll chick, and everyone would be like, She'd be up there and laughing. Like, oh, oh, she's on Tuesdays. Like, used to know her in that era as well. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Oh, do you have any Chico Roll memorabilia? No, I don't. No. I, I wouldn't go near one of those things. No, I don't know. What's in them? <laughs> You don't know. <laughs> deep fried something. Yeah, deep fried everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so with your uh, with the photography you're doing for the um, the book, are you like are you a self taught photographer, or you go to a course, or? Uh, well, um, I, yeah, self taught. I'd say yeah. yeah I, I haven't studied photography. Um, with with graphic design course, I think we did photography in mm. our first year and thirty five mil and yeah and slide film and all of that. So and and dad dad um has always been a photographer as well. Um, but that graphic design training is is 
been really helpful with the, the shop fronts because understanding the horizontal and the vertical and, you know, the, the colour and getting that real um, feeling of, uh, you know, I don't know, that, that summer milk bar vibe. And David Waddleton takes photos of milk bars and they're, they're black and white and they're really bleak and depressing. Um, and I've got this really, like, nice sunny happy nostalgic feeling so everyone can take a photo of a milk bar but it's just how you interpret yeah in your in your work yeah because the photos that i see of yours they always to me they represent sunshine and summer and yeah and all that type of stuff it's uh you know they're all all so colorful and even though even some of the milk bars are are, are boarded up and closed down they're still so happy and vibrant got personality yeah I I, I always try to find the beauty in that ugliness Um, I I always just drive around and I see an old derelict shop or an old sign and and I think that's beautiful yeah but other other people would just go that shit you know knock that down or paint that grey and yeah um, yeah so it's those yeah those those old old shops I yeah I kind of find them beautiful I, I might be there might be that that personal connection i have to that era um but you can i don't know other people yeah you're obviously not alone though because it's so like i i i agree i really like all that stuff as well Mm. and um and you know the people are really getting into what you're doing and um yeah you know it's i think it's because you can't replicate that like you know how people try people say oh like i'm gonna make something new i'm gonna do renovations but i'm gonna make it look old Oh yeah, you, you yep. know what I mean. You, yep. you, you can't replicate the authenticity that no, comes you from can't. that era. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, it's it's really hard to do that. Yeah, because yeah, most of the time it'll just be a, a textbook. Oh, okay, so textbook. How do you recreate a milk bar? And you, I don't know. You get a Peter's cone light, but you get a new one. Mm. The replica replica ones. You wouldn't get an original one. And yeah, you, the brickwork might be nice and clean and. Yeah, that's that. The detail isn't really there. Yeah, and you can tell that it's kind of like a bit, mm, a bit naff. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but also with your uh, the, the website that you do as well, the island continent. The island continent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been looking. Th- I look, I've been looking through that. That's, that's some great stuff on it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, gold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, like, do you? Do you find it hard to find content for that? Because I noticed when, like, I know just from looking online, mm. it's hard, you know, most people, most things you look for are either, if they're local, they're current, mm. or if they're old, they're, you know, like all the old tumblers and stuff, which yeah. have all the retro photos. You, you know, you, you don't find a lot of Australiana on it. It's mm. not like mm. a cool genre that people document a lot mm. Or, mm. or dig up. Do you find mm. it hard to find the content for the um, online content? Well, the Island Continent Archive really just was my... It's just my my own collection. Yeah. And um, I used a lot of that stuff as influence for my illustration work when I was starting out and doing folio work. And, you know, you you have to do some some pieces to show that you can, you know, you can illustrate some stuff. Yeah. So I do pieces with, you know, big M chicks and... um, Prawns and Summer and Bondi lifeguards and and they were all references from this collection that I had of books from that seventies eighties era. Yeah. Um, 
and then you know just just collected things over the years and developed a massive archive really vhs tapes was something that i was collecting as well i so i'd like buy old tapes from op shops and tip shops and in and instead of um you know people record movies from the 80s like star wars and karate kid and and they'd leave the ads in and then these these tapes would end up in the the tip shop and i'd be like there and i'd grab them see like you know karate kid or indiana jones or back to the future like oh they might have some ads on it yeah and so i'd buy it like 50 cents and you put it in fast forward all the movie and then there's some ads and they're like gold and and there's no record of any of that stuff really other than someone's tape really because a lot of that stuff ended up just being you know erased from history so yeah like franco cotto ads and that kind of that genre of b-grade advertising late night advertising that what kind of record is there other than someone's tape that's in a tip shop so i was collecting all that and i was going through tapes and i was you know collecting books and and then i just had this like stuff that i just loved and i thought you know 80s maybe i should set up a site and that was after i had my break i was working in a design fashion company out in scoresby and going out there every day and just think, ah, oh, you know, what did I used to love? And it's like, yeah, all that Aussie stuff and maybe I should set up a site and just... I actually started with a Tumblr site. Yeah. The Island Continent was a Tumblr site and yeah. I posted some stuff on there and I seemed to get a bit of bit of interest and, um, and then I thought, yeah, maybe that's a, a good way to separate the illustration work from... Um, you know, like separated a bit. I could do my photography and archive stuff and, and write about stuff and, and it's not connected to that commercial work because it was all American work, so it didn't really yeah. fit. Um, so, yeah, I thought, I'd, you know, set up a site and see how it goes and it's it's kind of taken me away. Like the, the illustration was taking me in that direction and, and then the island continent's got the milk bar... And that element is, is on that sort of way on that side. And, um, you know, like, lo- like really loving it. It's like, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> do you, um, do you feel that you're uh, like a lot happier? Like yeah, doing, yeah. Doing your own stuff than um, yeah. doing work for other people and, oh, and, yeah. and not, not like, not just working for yourself, but also, um, like doing what you really feel is calling you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I um, I was I was pretty unhappy doing what I was doing. Like, people would probably think, oh, he, he wanted to to do that all his life, and he wanted to work for these magazines and illustrate as a be like a full time illustrator. But yeah, it's like well, the reality was I was very stressed out, and I was not happy, and I wasn't enjoying it. And so having that break and then I took some time away and then I started to drive around Melbourne and really take more photos of milk bars and um, I started to just email people that I admired from from when I was a kid like graphic designers and artists and illustrators and it's like do you want to do an interview on the island continent and it's like yeah cool and I've met up with people and and I'd meet milk bar owners and it was like out in the world and 
it's, it's like, this is great. This yeah. is so much better. And it was like really like, it was a, it was a really, um, one of those um, moments that you have where you go, God, maybe, maybe I shouldn't, you know, continue with this illustration and maybe I should do something that makes me happy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, do you still, do you still do like illustration stuff at all? Like, or draw or do you have, you know, a creative oh, outlet? For a long time, I didn't even pick up a brush or a, or a pencil. Yeah. It was just, uh, I just couldn't even, couldn't even do it. We really needed a break. Really needed a break. Yeah. I, I started to get RSI in my left hand and, yeah. Um, back pain and all this crazy stuff and I was an insomniac and and it was it was just pretty fucked up (laughs) and so yeah I couldn't really bring myself to 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 do any work I I was still getting commissions coming through and I was just um, taking a break and because I was doing other work and um, the pressure was off so I didn't really have to accept every Mm. illustration because when I was doing the work I wasn't doing any design work I wasn't doing any other stuff so it was all illustration so any yeah. job would come through and be like fuck that's going to be a really stressful job and mm. and then that'll finish and then another job will come through and it'll be really stressful and yeah it's weird because I look at your work and I, I, I don't it doesn't I, don't know, I just don't even think that there'll be any stress to it it just looks so fun and so bright and colourful and yeah yeah it's like you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it is. Like it's it's not like dark coloured and um, yeah, yeah, no greys. Lots of, like crazy colours. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's just it's funny hearing you talk about that because I mean I um I'm in a similar situation where you know I've worked really hard to craft a good design career for myself, mm. and I have, and I've you know I'm in a good position. But um, I've got so many interests outside of design that I want. I just keep thinking if that if that could be my, if I could make a living off doing that, I would be so much happier. I know mm, I would. Mm. So I'm trying to even go part time now to sort of do half and half and yeah. just trying to find some balance to to do the transition. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I just like I'm not going to say goodbye to design because I all the the plans for my future and the projects I have in mind incorporate a lot of design work mm. anyway but I'll I'll be doing it for myself but mm. um yeah I, I I know what you mean I'm I can't say I'm I'm, I'm stressed out <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I, I've just got a uh, I've just got a um different vision for for my um yeah my life and I, I feel like life's like a series of chapters in a book or yeah. like or seasons or whatever you know and and you can be hundred percent committed to something for for years and years and mm. then some and then you realise that it's just now it's that that time's done. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like that's I'm the right. same with like skateboarding and things like that. I couldn't I, I used to think about it, dream about it and <laughs> yeah. skate every single day. And it's like now yeah, I, yeah. you know, now I hardly jump on a board anymore, you know. It's yeah, like that's right. But um, it's like these. Your, your life goes through changes. It doesn't mean you have to let those skills go or anything like that. Mm, but if, mm. you, if if your heart's not in it, don't do it. You know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I yeah. dream about milk bars and at the moment, you know, yeah. like it's it's like an obsession. And I think, oh, that'll probably stop. What when this book eventually comes out, I'll probably think, you know, okay, well now what am I going to be interested in? Yeah. And the illustration and kind of. You know, you want to know what it's like, and and then once you 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 do it, you think, ah, oh, now I know what it's like, and you kind yeah. of move on and and try something else. Yeah, 
Otherwise, you become pretty stagnant, and I don't think you you really grow. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, that might be a good place to leave it. So, uh, so thanks for thanks for sitting down with me. Fantastic. No um, worries. It's been uh, it's been great to catch up. Fantastic. Thanks, Tom. No worries. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay. To find out more about Eamon Donnelly, go to eamondonnelly.com. To find out more about his Milk Bar book, go to milkbarsbook.com. And also check out theislandcontinent.com.au. Also, check out the Bench Talk website, benchtalkpodcast.com. There you can listen to past episodes and keep up to date with what's up and coming on the, the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes on the podcast app. You can also listen on SoundCloud. Just search for Bench Talk. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk. Thanks, and I look forward to you tuning in again next week. See ya.